This is the Big Finish Podcast. Official launch date, 31st of July, 2017. We at Big Finish are the proud purveyors of the finest audiobooks and audio drama in the known universe of space and time. I'm Benji Clifford. Oh, Benji, Benji, Benji. Sound designer and composer for Big Finish Kazoo player extraordinaire. Just listen to him doo-doo. It's sublime. I'm Nick Briggs. Ah, Nicky, Nicky. Nick, Nick, Briggy, Wiggy, Woo. Ah, yes, he's the co-executive producer of Big Finish Productions and the voice of the Daleks and other Doctor Who nasties. And we at Big Finish make audio productions of Doctor Who, Blake Seven, Torchwood, Dark Shadows, Sherlock Holmes, Indubitably, The Avengers, The Omega Factor, Bernice Summerfield, Survivors, The Prisoner, I'm not a number, I'm a free man, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, Dracula, Frankenstein, H.G. Wells, stuff the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on those of you familiar with our podcast will know that they consist of the latest big finished news listeners emails a guest star interview the randomoid selectatron which is where we select a random big finish release from the archives to chat about and finally a 15 minute tease of one of our latest productions and uh, firstly i must apologize for uh, the rubbish recording quality of my voice um, i've had a, had a bit of a technical breakdown Five minutes before recording was due to occur so I'm on an emergency recorder so it's all a bit odd anyway this edition the interview is with Blake Seven star Jan Chapel, who plays the telepath Callie and our drama tease is the first 15 minutes of our third Doctor adventure starring Tim Trelaw and Katie Manning The Conquest of Far and there be Daleks in it. Also, uh, do listen out for the late, great Debbie Watling in the listeners' email section of this podcast. As a tribute, we feature an interview with her conducted for last year's Second Doctor Companion Chronicles uh, release. Uh, d- did you ever meet Debbie? I did, yes. I've, I met her, I think I met her twice at some Doctor Who events. Just in pass, I didn't. I was never in studio with her, so I never, I never got quite uh, as, as it were, a. Uh, more of a, a chance to chat to her, but a lovely person, and oh, yeah. and also um, she played one of my favourite characters in uh, Doctor Who, so I'm I'm absolutely grateful to her for that. Yes, I must admit that I was really not sideways by uh, when I heard the news of her death. I, yeah, I met her back in the the eighties or nineties at a Doctor Who convention when we were doing a Mythmakers interview with her, and she was such fun. Um, and, and very sadly, when her father died, you know, it was very, very difficult for her to uh, come to terms with that. And it had a, um, she was, yeah, it really knocked her sideways. And, um, but, you know, as I've said previously, it was brilliant to see that, you know, in recent years, I really saw her sparkle returning. So very sad for us to lose her. Um, yeah, miss her very much. Always full of fun. Always a giggle with Debbie. It was it was a bit of an unwelcome sort of thing to see because it, it just it, like you said it came out of absolutely nowhere and, yeah. and it was just a, a huge shock really. Just really proud to have known her really, so that's great, you know. And I I, I dropped uh, Fraser Hines a text about it because I was worried about him, but you know he was bearing up. But you know her her contribution to Doctor Who and also to to the, the the fan community as well and the fan service the amount that she did and she gave and she never failed to to 
always, you know, at events, she'd always be great fun. And I think her contribution will be remembered forever. And oh, definitely. She was always brilliant at, at events, always entertaining and, and f- full of fun. And i tell you the other thing really quickly. How, how brilliant is it that, um, that we managed to get those lost episodes um, recovered in the last few years and that we got to see yeah. more of Victoria as well and that people... Because there wasn't an, an awful lot out there and I always felt that that did Victoria a bit of a disservice because people couldn't, you know, unless you listen to the, the audios. But I, I loved it because it, it really it gives us a lot more to see and, and I, always, I, I always liked Victoria because... The character, um, I don't know. She she behaves how I imagine somebody would would be behaving if you're young, and you you you're suddenly whisked away. She's she seems quite a realistic sort of how you yeah would yeah, be, and that really. whole sort of Victorian sensibility of her as well. Oh, I love it, love it. But but more more about Debbie in the listeners' email section. Indeed, he do. So now, as we uh, we hurtle forward, is it time for the ruddy news? It flipping well is, old chap. This is the Big Finish News. Do I kazoo? To kazoo or not to kazoo? I've no idea what I'll play. I can't wait. I don't even... That's, but I don't actually know. This is a, it's, it's a huge <laughs> problem for me right now. Uh, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just love all your shoulder shrugging during that. Like I don't know, I don't know what this is. I don't know. I'm making a noise. I don't know what it means. What's going on? What does it mean? What, what does I'm a bit, giant you know, tomato? It's a, oh, great film! Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Great film. Um, well, it was very good, Benji. Whatever it was. I don't know what it was, but I liked it. I was, I was getting quite into it. It was quite jolly. It was quite a sort of jolly jig. <laughs> jolly jig, oh boy. Um, so anyway, so let's let's crack a lack straight away and let's get right into this then. So on Wednesday, the 2nd of August, we reveal the official cover artwork and story synopsis for coming soon, the fifth season of Torchwood. Here's a reminder of the trailer. Who are you? Torchwood. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. Aliens among us. Look at this city. I used to feel that Torchwood protected it. That Cardiff was my city. Not anymore. Everyone is welcome here. Because Cardiff says no to hate. Listen to me, listen to me. I don't know what she's done. I heard rumours. Rumours about a secret police force who kill aliens. What is Torchwood? Keeping you alive. Barely. I'm going to bring peace to this shattered city. To unite it. What are you doing? The whole city invaded, and no one's even noticed. Oh, some people know. They just don't care anymore. Torchwood is dead. Big Finish. 
We love stories. I know who you are. You're bloody Torchwood. Finally! This glorious box set features four brand new adventures featuring exciting characters, old and new. Notice the uh, double usage of the word feature in there. Uh, first up is Changes Everything by James Goss. Disgraced journalist Tyler Steele has washed up in Cardiff looking for a fresh start. Is the Red Doors movement really behind the terrorist attacks on immigrants? Episode 2, Aliens and Sex and Chips and Gravy by James Goss. As if you couldn't guess. Uh, has Cardiff really been invaded by aliens? Mm-hmm. Episode 3, Or, that's O-double-R, by Juno Dawson. With time running out for Cardiff, Torchwood encounter an alien who knows them only too well. Mm-hmm. Episode 4, Superiority Complex by A.K. Benedict. The streets of Cardiff are full of desperate and the dispossessed. They stand outside the gates of a new seven-star aliens-only luxury hotel and there's one thing that makes them smile. Someone is murdering the guests. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Torchwood Aliens Among Us. And that's from, obviously, Big Finish Productions in August. Don't miss it. So, yes, coming up this August, some other stuff. Yes, August, that month, which may not have begun while you're listening to this podcast. But one thing's for sure, it pretty soon will begin on Tuesday, the 1st of August, to be precise. Anyway, coming up. A huge metal dome sits by the side of the River Thames. Within it? it is a device that might change the entire future of humanity. What? Yes. It's The British Invasion, a brand new Doctor Who short trip adventure by Ian Potter, featuring the second Doctor and performed by Wendy Pabry. Here's a snippety-woo-wah. Doctor Who short trips. The TARDIS eased itself into reality in the shadow of a tall brick tower near a broad, slow river. Ordinarily, The grinding roar of its engines might have turned heads, but not today. A nearby brass band drowned out the howl of its arrival, and the eyes of passers-by were drawn elsewhere. The doctor swung open the TARDIS's police box door and breathed in city air. Hmm, not bad, he smiled. Industrial, but not the worst vintage. Two more figures popped up behind him, jostling him out of the ship. So, where have we landed now? asked Jamie, a young, kilted Scotsman with wary eyes. Oh, don't you know? the doctor replied, fruitlessly attempting to smarten his shabby old jacket. Well, how would I? Jamie objected. A young woman in a sparkly jumpsuit gently squeezed by. What do you think, Zoe? Zoe took in her surroundings analytically, the way she'd been trained to since childhood. Petrol cars growled by on a raised bridge to the right, and a strange wrought-iron greenhouse affair stood raised a little way off to the left. Beyond it, near the river's edge, a mass of men in brown coats and trilby hats had gathered to watch some kind of display. Well, it's... it's the past she said hesitantly, searching her eidetic memory for a match. She stepped forwards to take a better look around. There is something familiar about that skyline. Oh, it's London again, isn't it? said Jamie, 
The doctor clapped his hands gleefully. Yes, the south bank of the Thames. Oh, we, we can't have been here since Sewer. Oh, oh, let's see now. Uh, 1668? Oh, no! Zoe cried, pointing to her left. That can't be right! The TARDIS brings the Seventh Doctor Ace and Mel to the shipyards of Merseyside in 1991 for The Blood Furnace by Eddie Robson, Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred and Bonnie Langford star Natch. Here's the trailer. Oh, I should really get back to work. Don't give the company your time for free, Joe. Some of us are grateful to have a job at all, you know. My dad's been on work ten years. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. We're on Merseyside, and the year is 1991. There's not going to be anything worth doing here. Unusual concern. What sort of ship is it? I thought it was a cargo ship at first, but there are some very odd touches. I wonder if perhaps it's military. Hello? We're not ready to receive. We're shut down for the night. Is the blood crystal in place? Yes, Mum. Then all we need is blood. Luminac. Look at the furnace. Some kind of crystal, looks like. But it's on fire. One can hardly launch a ship without it. Doctor Who. The Blood Furnace. Now you're interested. Big Finish. We love stories. From the fevered imagination of writer Mark Platt, a oh, brand fever, new... Fever. The fever. A brand new he had fourth... the fever of creativity. <laughs> Sorry, I'll shut up. The cold of creativity. <laughs> uh, a brand new fourth Doctor Adventure is coming right up, starring Tom Baker and Lala Ward. It's The Skin of the Sleek. Here's the trailer. Master Bluejaw, chained hard to the book of futures, wisest son of a skull. Tell us what we're here for. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Fourth Doctor Adventures, The Skin of the Sleek. We cannot begin at the beginning. That was once upon a time, long gone, like a dream lost in the deeps. A star falls from the sky. A man. A doctor with a box. A girl caught in the nets. A hunter who'll be hunted. Here, come on. Lean on me. I'm very much obliged to you. Take it easy. I'm fine. You were nearly drowned. Did I have a friend? She's still out there. Friend? Romana. Captain? <laughs> well, here's a strange cat. Found her caught in the Dawnward Nets. It can't be. Sartea Cara Dinora. What are you doing here? Well, I could ask you the same. This planet has a strange nature, neither fish nor fowl, nor sea nor land. That's why we're here. The coordinates indicated the planet Thunder in the southeast galactic delta. We've only found one settlement. Yours isn't the only ship wrecked on this sodden planet. Tomorrow leads into tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. Big finish. We love stories. 
And don't forget that little-known dead author, William Shakespeare, provides us with some rather wonderful source material for Big Finish's production of Hamlet. Staring. Alexander Vlahos, he's just staring at us. He's also (laughs) starring, uh, along with Miles Richardson, Tracy Childs and Terry Malloy, amongst many brilliant others. It's directed by Scott Hancock and Justin I Love Shakespeare Richards did the script editing. Here's the bard-tastic trailer. My hour is almost come when I, to sulfurous and tormenting flames, must render up myself. Alas! Poor ghost! Pity me not, but lend thy serious hearing to what I shall unfold. Oh, speak! I am bound to hear. So art thou to revenge when thou shalt hear. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Hamlet. Do not forget, this visitation is but to whet thy almost blunted purpose. But look, amazement on thy mother sits. Speak to her, Hamlet. Come, come, you answer with an idle tongue. Go, go, you question with a wicked tongue. Have you forgot me? No, by the rude, not so. You are the queen, your husband's brother's wife. And, would it were not so, you are my mother. Laertes, was your father dear to you? Are you like a painting of a sorrow, a face without a heart? Why ask you this? Not that I think you did not love your father. But that I know love is begun by time, and that I see in passage of proof time qualifies the spark and fire of it. I'll be your foil, Laertes. In mine ignorance, your skill shall, like a star in the darkest night, stick fiery off indeed. Ha! Say you so! Come on! No! Big finish. We love stories. We'll bring you more on August releases next week. In the meantime, as you may well know, the final series of Terror Hawks is out. Stay on this channel. Uh, it <laughs> brings the classic Jerry Anderson series to a shattering finale. So shattering. So we thought you might like to hear how the music for that finale was conceived. Yes, so here's series producer, director, and sometime writer Jamie Anderson discussing the final music cue. Crispin. Mm-hmm. Crispin Morell. Hello. Uh, people might know your work from uh, Lavender Castle, Space Precinct, New Captain Scarlet, um, but you've also done something very special for for me and for another Jerry Anderson production recently. For which you will be eternally grateful. <laughs> I am eternally and grateful. And more work than <laughs> is possible for a human being to be offered. <laughs> I'm working on it. Uh, but you, uh, you reinterpreted... Um, uh, the end titles from Terror Hawks, Richard Harvey's original, yeah. for uh, a, a very special finale of Volume Three. Well, under your special instruction, yeah, <laughs> you followed them to the letter. Thank you. I did actually. Yeah. Could you just tell me about the the, the process of how you come up with it? Because <clears> you've come up with a really haunting, um, heart wrenching, um, very upsetting version, which is exactly what I wanted. But how did you do it? Um, I listened to Richard Harvey's score, which I thought conjured up all the excitement and drama of a series which was produced, I think, in the mid-80s, 83, 84, something like that. (laughs) 
But at that time, electronics were the thing, and uh, he incorporated state-of-the-art technology to convey that uh, you know, futuristic, powerful, melodic uh, message. <clears throat> of course, there's only so far you can go with that if you want to produce something which is a lament, something very sad and you know, has a tear-jerking element to it. Uh, so I had to have a think about it because uh, in order to get true to the original, but also to conjure up those emotions was a bit of a challenge, you know. So under your instruction where you said, you know, stick fairly faithfully to the original structure, could you produce something, you know, which would be suitable for the end of series to say, you know, this is the last time possibly we were ever going to hear the voices of these wonderful artists under this, uh, under the supervision of some really wonderful people for a great show. You know, can you do that? And of course, uh, you know, I have to step up and say, yes, I can. I can do that, and I'll, I'll produce something worthy of that. Uh, but before I do that, I really have to immerse myself in the music of that series to be faithful to it. Um, now what happens is when you create something of a different mood, a different flavor, uh, the challenge isn't so much to stick to the original uh, in a faithful fashion, it, it's actually to make it feel right, you know, no matter what it is, it just has to have that tempo, that meter. So speaking of tempo, I decided to slow it right, right down and also um, to fill it in because when you have a slower piece of music there's not an awful lot more you can do if it was originally a fast piece of music you know it's pacing along it's got so many instruments it's all kicking off very quickly and it's over before you can blink you know but with this piece it's you know it's bordering <clears throat> sorry it's bordering on about three minutes or so uh, so to keep it um, flowing and to keep that lament, that, that's, that feeling of sadness, uh, it's, it's important to have that meter right. So I approached it from that, from that perspective to, to draw on the emotion of the speed of the piece now. You know, it's, it's a much slower piece. You've got more room to, to really uh, incorporate all the wonderful musical elements that Richard Harvey put into it, but also to put a piece of yourself in there too. And what a marvelous job you've done of it! Thank it's you. brilliant. No, uh, it's a very sad. It's a very sad ending. Um, uh, I won't. I won't give it away. But there's there's certainly a terminal feeling to it, with a little bit of brightness at the end. Which there is, is a flurry at the end, but I think that's in keeping, really, because it it, it does signal the end of something great. You know, <laughs> absolutely. A yeah. Ter Terrorhawks is great. Mm, it is. Uh, no, you've done an amazing job. Thank you. Pleasure. And so that brings us to the end of the news. And what a synthy ending there as we go to the Terror Hawks music. Love all that lovely sort of synthy stuff. It's, uh, it gives me shivers down me wee spine. I have to tell you, though, that that final bit of music they discuss is actually piano music. What? Yeah. Good Lord. Oh, well. Because oh, that... it's all very touching and moving, you see. Oh, well, there's, there's, as, as I always said, there's, there's nothing more touching than, than the sound of a, uh, a synthesized flugelhorn. But uh, <laughs> that's just me. 
yeah. You got, is that you got the end of the news? I think that is the end of the news. Yeah, the news has gone, mate. The news has flugled its way up into the stars. It's gone. It's finished. It is no more. It is an X news. Just seen an email arrive, actually, which is, uh, that's interesting. Won't have time to read that one out. It's from Lee Wood. It said, mm. hello, Nick and Benji. That's all I saw as it flashed across my screen. Anyway, but time now for listeners' emails. Hello, Nick and Benji. It's a good start to an email. I like that. A good, <laughs> solid, is, strong is, start, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, emails. I mean, I could wax lyrical about them all day, all week, all month, all year, in fact. But anyway, all uh, all of you, all that you have to do to join in with us is to email us at podcast at bigfinish.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at bigfinish.c to the O to the double M. Only the single M. Don't get confused. Uh, big Podcast at bigfinish.com. Uh, it's as simple now as that. Now you're elaborating on the actual address. It's P-O-D-Z-5 alpha <laughs> cast slash apple. Poddy Waddy Woo Woo at big com emoji. That just reminds Simple. me. The emoji thing just reminds me. I had a dream last night that um that uh we released the sto- a story called hashtag Dalek, and oh. um and it was all about how the Daleks had decided to uh to manifest themselves selves as emojis. Terrible. Brilliant. But I, I just I woke up and I was like, what a terrible idea. <laughs> And hashtag Dalek, you could sing that to the uh, theme of Captain Scarlet, couldn't you? Hashtag, hashtag Dalek. <laughs> and that voice <laughs> That's what uh, my son thought it was Heptep Dalek, they were saying. Heptep Dalek? I wish it was. Because it sounded like Heptep <laughs> I wish it was Heptep Dalek. I don't know what a Heptep Dalek is. Don't know. Find out on the next uh, podcast. We'll, we'll, or not. Or not. Or never. Or never. <laughs> never. Never find out. Never find out. Coming soon. So soaring in like a Boeing seven four seven is the first email here, and this is from uh, a Nyrin Hunt. Did I say that right? Yeah, I did. Cool, coolio. Just making sure. Just making sure. <laughs> to Nick of Exelon and Benji of Spyridon, or if you want to get Sylvester McCoy, you can call it Spyridon. Um, great names, great names. Uh, so without the, he says here, or she, is, it, is it he or she? Would you say it's a he? It's a he. It is a he. Cool. Well, an Iron's a boy's name. Just making. I've never heard it before. Haven't you? Never. An Iron Bevan who created the welfare state. Oh gosh! No, never yeah. heard of him. But I, but I appreciate Ooh, but, I, but I, I appreciate the name though. Um, so it's also uh, the name of India Fisher's son. Oh, okay. Iron, yeah. Well, there we go. It's good, you know, good name. I know it's an iron because she calls him Nye. Nye, I like that. I like that. You, you know, Nye or, or Annie in an affectionate sort of. Maybe not. Well, they call Anakin Annie. They do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Look at me stuck in my old ways. My old. Buck up, Briggs. Buck up, Briggs. So, um, an iron star. There's a female doctor. Buck up. <laughs> new age, new era. Get on it. Buck up. So, Anirin uh, says here, without the tangents, I think that you should not bother making this podcast. Uh-huh. They're the most enjoyable part. You, bracket, the listeners, close brackets, could just read a document with what you, brackets, Nick and Benji, close brackets, are saying. Admittedly, the listener emails and the interview are fine without tangents and alone won't be boring. They're not as good as they are with them. Uh, it is what gives the podcast its charm. Oh, nigh. 
A fitting analogy for what I'm saying is to imagine some food that you like a lot. Imagine yourself making it, only to discover that an ingredient is missing. <gasps> you continue making it. No. This ingredient is not so important that it would completely and utterly ruin the meal. You still get something that is eatable. But it just is not right. It makes you feel that you shouldn't have bothered making it. It is a poor shadow of what it could be. But with that missing ingredient, it is completely worthwhile, leading you to make sure that you always have that ingredient when making it. Your tangents are that ingredient. Gah. Gah. It gives the podcast a lot more variation than it would otherwise not have. This is very much needed. It breaks from a strict format which, if followed very close to the letter, can stunt a podcast. That way that you don't know exactly what you're going to get. I do uh, I do acknowledge some people want that, but I do not. Also, has Benji heard of the hammered dulcimer? Uh, also, I'm beginning to wonder if Nick lives in a small shed on a building site. Thanks, Anirin, sent in orbit of Exlon. P.S. Sorry it's a little long. Well, cracking, cracking email there. Have, have you heard of the hammered dulcimer? I have, but I, I can't, why can't I? I've heard of it because it it registers um, in your vocabulary bank. It registers in my vocabulary. Um, yes, yeah, so it is. It's I'm fairly. Isn't it like a, it's medieval? Isn't it? It definitely is. It's like a. I tell you yeah, why or I think Elizabethan. I'd, yeah. I tell you why I think I've heard of it. Because I think I've got one in my one of, in my music banks on on my computer. I think I've got the Your instrument. Vocabulary bank. But in my musical bank. Um, well, a dulcimer. I'm just looking it up. It's I know. It's um, it's a keyboard instrument, isn't it? Oh no, it isn't. It's 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 a you know a fret fretted. It's a instrument. fretted. Yeah, it's like a sort of. But a hammered one. There I'm, was an I'm amazing. To say it's one that's been out on a Friday night for uh, <laughs> a few pints, but that's probably uh, not the right thing to say. Um, uh, there was an amazing. I think it was some. It was a woman on uh, Facebook who released some video. I think she was playing. She played something like Sting and the Police on it. It was like Roxanne or something. But it was on one of those, and it was incredible. It was like really good. Oh, there it is. Yeah, a hammer. Yes, it's and you hit it with funny little hammers, of course. Hence it's a percussion instrument and stringed instrument with the strings stretched over a trapezoidal sounding board. Well, thank goodness for Wikipedia. I was, yeah. I've, I've just been listening to it on YouTube. It's very beautiful. I love all that sort of medieval sort of stuff like that, sort of Elizabethan. Right, it? it's, 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 it chills so you down. Get that at your next uh, uh, you know, bit of music, all right? Yeah, maybe I will. Yeah. Maybe I will. That's when I'm doing and, a jolly jig. And now, if I may be so bold as to call you that, um, I'm, I'm not living in a small shed on a building site today. I'm in my flat and it's, um, it's all echoey and the windows are open and my wife and son are hiding in the next room trying not to make a noise. They were downloading a game off the internet, so it was all very noisy. So I've sent them away and I'm, uh, as a result, extremely unpopular. Well, you know, it, it happens when you when you when you got a podcast, you have to take risks, Nick. You know, it's it's, it's yeah, a risky risks business. With your family, risk yeah. with your family, risks with your friends, risk with with your pets. But I like to think it pays off. And also, I'd also I'd, I'd like to thank Nye for his uh, endorsement of the tangents. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. 
Good. Next up, this from Chris McGregor. Hello, Nick and Benji. I was saddened to read on the Big Finish website about the death of Deborah Watling. It's such a pity that so many of the stories in which she appeared were wiped. I'm so glad, this is echoing what you said, Benji, that at least we can see her in The Ice Warriors, The Web of Fear and Tomb of the Cybermen. I had the good fortune to meet Deborah at a small Doctor Who convention in Bangor, Northern Ireland in the 1990s. I had the opportunity to talk to her about her time in the show and got her to sign two of the photos of her in the Doctor Who Companions book. One of the photos in the book was a black and white publicity shot of Deborah sitting in a bikini beside a swimming pool. Deborah claimed to have no recollection of having the photo taken, but was happy to sign it along with another of her in the book. Uh, what was it like working with Deborah and the two stories she recorded? And were there any plans to feature Victoria again? Uh, P.S. Love the Big Finish podcast. I usually put this on my iPhone when I am out for a walk. I can easily spend an hour to 90 minutes walking while listening to the podcast. Please keep this coming. Regards, Chris. Oh, well, Chris, we're happy to um, assist your walking regime. Watch out. Um, Dog's mess. <laughs> Watch We should put that at the beginning of the podcast. This is the Big Finish podcast. Watch out. Dog's mess. <laughs> or Benji Clifford, as I like to call it. <laughs> Um, my faithful companion ben, Benji the faith, my faithful dog and his mess <laughs> I don't know whether um, it's, I don't know whether anyone outside the UK is familiar with the term dog's mess it's very, it seems peculiarly English to me actually it does it's doesn't something it that I had said to me a lot during my childhood oh don't step in the dog's mess yes I'll yes, the dog was playing scrabble and left it out you know <laughs> not that sort of mess Something altogether more pungent and full of bacteria. Anyway, moving on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're eating. Uh, No, I won't say any more. I I didn't actually work on any of the stuff Debbie uh, recorded for us, but I did pop into the studio, uh, you know, and she was uh, lovely and and everyone enjoyed working with her very much. And uh, I'm not aware that there were any concrete plans to do any more with Debbie, but um, we were always planning and we're always planning to do more with all the companions. So I'm sure actually there were a few things on the uh, schedule for her. Yeah. Interestingly enough, one of the stories that she was in uh, the, from that Companion Chronicles box set, uh, the story of Extinction, is actually a, a really good one for Victoria because it's quite a harrowing story. It's sort of it, it, it in a way, it, it sort of t- picks up with Victoria and older Victoria, sort of yeah. looking back on on her time and and it's yes, pe- people have said that you know um, with her passing, it's it's gained uh, uh, even more poignancy. And as a tribute to the lovely Debbie, here she is chatting about Doctor Who, funnily enough, with Fraser Hines during the recording of the that second Doctor Who Companion Chronicles Volume 1, released last year. I'm Deborah Watling. I played Victoria Waterfield. Fraser Hines playing Jamie McCrimmon and the second Doctor. Um, I remember walking into the rehearsal room. It was really like a... First day back at school. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, oh dear, hope it's all right. But quite honestly, Pat and Fraser made me so welcome that the nerves went. That was it. Mm. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, top of 45. I think actually, um, Debbie, you can afford to be just a, uh, inject a little bit more bravery. Okay. Yes, that must be it. Right. Big deep breath. Come on. Yeah, that's great. Righty ho. Let's give it a whirl in your own time. From the top of 44 again. You'll no be happy about this. I didn't hear you hesitate when I suggested it, Jamie McCrimmon. I'm not saying it's not a good idea, mind. It's so quiet. Where is everyone? Maybe they're all in the base there. Yes. Yes, that must be it. 
come along. We, 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 you and I had done a bit of pre-filming uh, at um, Grimsdyke Hall, but Patrick wasn't... No, he wasn't there. The, you know, when I came to rescue from the Daleks. That's right. Yeah. So we'd met briefly, but not, not Patrick. No, no. Hmm? Well, um, <clears throat> I went out to see Innes Lloyd, the then producer, and he was a lovely man. Rather military, really, mm. with his blazer and shiny buttons uh, and his pipe. And we got on instantly. And I didn't have to read or anything like that. So that was it. Um, I was going to be there. It would be a lot harder to come back if there were terrible memories, if if we hadn't liked Patrick, if we he hadn't liked us. You know, it would be very hard to kind of replicate a, a happy time. But it, it's, it's lovely to come back and... Do you have yes. you remember? All the memories, they're lodged up here, I promise you, in my head. And uh, I will never forget my time in here, albeit it was only a year. But it seems to be a huge part of my life, and I'm never, ever allowed to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> will I ever in love? And uh, something I wanted to pursue, but you couldn't go too far with it, because simply... You know, there's not much evidence of it in the era there. Uh, so it had to be something where, although we could explore it and we didn't want to kind of press a reset button at the end or anything like that, um, you did need to actually say, OK, there's a reason why things actually haven't changed. It was always sort of at the back of the mind, I suppose. But Jane was always very protective towards Victoria. Because she was a lady in, in his that mind. Was she a was a lady. Um, Polly was, showed too much leg, you know. And... <laughs> And you just sh- showed an ankle, and uh, then he got to sort of when you started to wear a miniskirt. Oh, maybe that, that would dress shorter and shorter. Yes, he <laughs> <laughs> moved. How did it do that? It, it folded itself into a creature. It was a brilliant web of fear because you know I'd actually forgotten that my father was in it. Oh, really? And all of a sudden he walked on the, on the screen. I oh. went to Fraser. Oh. Yeah, Fra- it's father. He said, you fool, I know it is. And then I was watching a thing. Oh, and then I realised, wait a minute, the last time I saw this was 40-odd years ago in, you know, in the BBC green room before having supper and recording that show's the episode. And suddenly you went, oh, I haven't seen this for 40 years. It caused a stir, didn't it? Though? Yeah, it did. All the fans, etc. Front page headlines as well yes. in, the, in the Daily Mirror. Yeah, front page headline. News was, at 10, wasn't it? Yeah. As well. I was on the one o'clock news on BBC Four. <laughs> I got the phone call saying, Will you will you please um, be on the one o'clock news? Radio, of course. I went, Yes, yes, when? I went, In 10 minutes. <laughs> I went, Thanks. Lovely uh, interview there. It's so lovely to, to to hear them both as well. It's a wonderful era of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and carrying on now uh, through the uh, emails, we've got this next one here from Alexander Basden, uh, one of our, our podcast regulars, actually. So. Oh, yes, hello, Alexander. Hello, Alexander there, me old mucker. Uh, hope you're well. Um, so uh, Alexander says here, Dear Nick and Benji, Good start. Good start, strong start, like it. 
Firstly, I would like to express how saddened I was upon learning of Deborah Watling's passing last week. I remember that one of the first Patrick Troughton era stories I saw was The Tomb of the Cybermen, and instantly the team of the second Doctor, Victoria and Jamie, became one of my favourites. I would like to express my gratitude to the Big Finish team for including the scene from Tomb where the Doctor and Victoria discuss their lost families, as I can't think of any other scene which better sums up their relationship of the Doctor being Victoria's guardian. Earlier in the year, I bought and listened to the Second Doctor Companion Chronicles box set, of which my favourite story was The Story of Extinction by Ian Atkins, which we mentioned earlier up there. Uh, It was the first big finish story that I'd heard with Deborah reprising her role as Victoria, and I absolutely loved it. I hope to be able to listen to the second and fourth seasons of the early adventures at some point, but until then... I will probably re-watch The Tomb of the Cybermen and The Ice Warriors on DVD. Yeah, brilliant Just stories. Sounded like William Hart. Until then, there must be no regret. Um, <laughs> Uh, Secondly, on a lighter, just imagining note, uh, my family and I, um, my husband and I, uh, my family and I recently uh, have been re-watching David Tennant's first season of Doctor Who on DVD, somewhat in anticipation of the Tenth Doctor Adventures Volume 2, and I've had an idea for a fantastic Big Finish spin-off series, brackets, if it, if if it will fit in the already crowded waters of spin-offs. How about a series of annual box sets, a la The Eighth Doctor, Time War, chronicling the adventures of Rose, Jackie and Pete Tyler alongside Mickey Smith and Jake as they work with the Torchwood of Pete's world? Russell T. Davis already had plans to do a series based on this idea, called Rose Tyler Earth Defence, but scrapped it as it would detract from the effect of Doomsday, and would be unfair if the audience got to see Rose, but the Doctor didn't. Doomsday, having been uh, 11 years ago, blimey, um, how about Big Finish doing the series now? Just imagine, Alexander Basden. Uh, P.S. I have just finished listening to The Lives of Captain Jack, and it was fantastic. Please tell me Goss and Adams are going to do another one. Sent from a Cyberman's brain in a Zeppelin over Paris. <laughs> Beautiful. One day we might tell you that Goss and Adams are going to do another one. You never know. Just imagine. And also, yeah, Rose Tyler. Yeah, the um, Earth Defence. Just imagine. Indeed. Just imagine. Uh, that's all we have time for this edition after that unsatisfactory answer from me. <laughs> uh, thanks to all of you who wrote in, especially for the many who expressed their heartfelt feelings on the passing of Debbie Watling. We shall all miss her very, very much. Absolutely. So thank you very, very much for all those emails. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to put them in my fax machine and fax them somewhere. No idea where. I'm just going to button bash. See where they go. Who knows who might receive them? It might even be you. I love it when you do button bashing. Anyway, (laughs) uh, time now for our guest star interview conducted by Karen Parks. It's Callie from Blake 7, Jan Chapel. I'm here with Jan Chapel from Blake 7. Um, So, you're doing a new batch of Blake 7. 
what in the current batch that you're recording is sort of tingling your molecules right now about Big Finish and Blake 7? What are you enjoying? Well, I just delight in coming into work to revisit nearly 40 years ago. I mean, how could you not resist that? And also, of course, to see the other people that you were working with. This time, of course, it's, it, this current one here now in July is different because I'm the only regular doing the programme. And I rather miss the others, I have to say. But the actors that I'm working with are absolutely delightful and um, very enjoyable to work with. So the batch that you recorded a few months ago um, are being released this month in July. Yes. Um, and so it's notable, I think, for two things. One is it's Yasmin playing Dana. Yes. Um, so how's that been? Oh, she's a, she's a delightful girl, and she's quite remarkably, to my mind, somehow connected with um, the character of Dana and something that... Josette brought to it. So quite whether it's the character of Dana as written that they both connected with or whether um, Yasmin has connected with something that Josette offered up, I'm not sure. But uh, uh, even her inflection, some things about it just seem the Dana that I remember. So um, it's terrific, actually. She's done really, really well. Um, so one of the stories in, in the batch that's being released in July um, is, is the one called Close Enough. The one with Paul. Was that a great story for you? That was a really unusual story, and I will particularly look forward to listening to that one. Um, because um, obviously one doesn't want to talk about the story too much. Will people have listened to it by now? Or well, we they, hope so. They Maybe will, not. so this will be it or not. We don't know. So don't want to, no spoilers or anything. But um, I thought it was a very intriguing um, script. And I, I also wondered what Paul's reaction would have been when he read the script. And I wonder whether, because I can remember days gone by, he might have gone, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Because the... The character of Avon reveals quite a lot of vulnerability, which is really unusual. Um, but um, yes, I'm really looking forward to that because there's a, a whole enormous element of telepathy from both sides, not just Kali, but Avon as well. Uh, so yes, yeah, so, um, and what is tingling your molecules in the entertainment world at the moment? Uh, any particular films you've enjoyed? Oh, well, TV? I do you know, just in the, just the recent months, I haven't, I haven't been to the movies as I should. I've become a member of the Picture House, um, which is a wonderful cinema and got lots of lovely facilities, which I particularly enjoy and invite friends to have a drink and meet me and things. Um, Sally has also got involved too with that. Um, but uh, as far as um, television is concerned, I am watching the second... I think it's the second series, or is it third? I think the second series of Poldark. I think it's, I mean, this, it's so beautiful to look at. I mean, A, the Cornish Cornwall is, is a magnificent, and of course the characters in it and the actors in it are all beautiful as well. And uh, it, some of the scenes, I, I, those wonderful 20s, 30s, even earlier paintings that the artist did in St Ives, they've obviously referenced them with some of the pictures I think I've seen that picture I mean the, the production qualities are, are, are out of this world I mm. think wow. feast for the eyes so Poldark so what are you watching that is perhaps maybe not as edifying as Poldark what's your guilty well, pleasure well I moment? have been 
censured for watching a bit of um what is it called the the real housewives of cheshire i i absolutely hate myself for watching <laughs> it and i've now got bought because i i will do that i find it on play i player when i'm really tired and i think that's about all i can manage and then i will fall asleep over it i must say that and I confess to Made in Chelsea. But I was someone that used to also watch Cilla Black and Blind Date. I, because, you see, I'm an actor. And I found it, you know, exciting to watch, you know, the reactions as the boy met the girl. And to see how... The, it was a study. It was a study of human nature. And I feel I bring that also, that element to Made in Chelsea and Desperate... Not Desperate House, The Real Housewives. I am I am studying human nature. <laughs> That's a good excuse. <laughs> Do you have any summer plans? Just to relax. Note. I've had lot, lots of not relaxation and I'm longing for that day when you go, oh my goodness, I am going to pick up that sewing and put that button on that jacket. I am going to replant that plant in the garden because I just I, I see do have more time on my hands but I, I don't have more time I never seem to get round to those things and feel relaxed enough to do a little watercolour it's not happening so I'm hoping that it will this summer <laughs> that sounds good um, and one other thing that I've noticed in the green rooms is everyone's always talking about the latest bit of tech that they have acquired or that they plan to be acquiring so what's the latest gadget or gizmo you've Oh no, you've please. I, I be, do you know, I, I, I'm sure it's my age and nobody can pretend how old we are because you all know that we are getting on. I'm becoming a, I mean, I've got my two mobile phones, I've got a laptop, I've got um, three email addresses. Um, I, I'm resisting Facebook, but I am sort of on it in disguise. It's all too much. I'd like to get rid of the whole lot, everything. I'm becoming a technophobe. <laughs> Uh, so you won't maybe be listening to the podcast when it goes out. So the final question is, when did you first meet Nick Briggs? Oh, Nick, I haven't seen him for so long. Do you know, I'd love, would he come in one day to do an interview? I'd, I'd really appreciate that. That would be so lovely. Nick, if you do listen to this, I'd like to send you my love. Jan Chapel there on Fine Form. Time now for us to delve into the Big Finish archive for the Randomoid Selectatron. Cue that epic music. Right. Right, well... What's coming up? Ran has spoken, but he's spoken from the future. <gasps> so he has pulled up uh, 709 of the short trips here, A Heart on Both Sides, which is out in September. Wow. Do we do we feature a futurey one? What do you reckon? Well, we can just mention it. Tell us a bit about it and maybe we should do another one to see what we get from the archive. Yeah, come on. Well, what, this this is, is this is what actually interested the cover artwork is awesome. It's uh, one of Tom Saunders ones which he showed me a, an early version of it. And it's yeah, and, and so it's absolutely gorgeous. But What's uh, it called? a heart what? A heart on both sides. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you see. Uh, and so let's uh, let's I'll tell you a little bit about it then. So this is release number 33, and it's an 8th Doctor Anissa story. So already, you know, worlds are colliding. After her medical work on Terminus, Nissa is now the controller of a hospital ship. 
the Traken. As the universe burns in the crossfire of the Time War, she and her assistant travel to a planet close to Gallifrey, where they are needed more than ever. A long time ago, Nyssa knew a Time Lord and understood his people, but it seems they can change. Wow, mm. that's brilliant by Rob Nisbet, and uh, it's yes, Sarah Sutton narrating. Let's hear the trailer. Doctor Who, short trips. It was perhaps naive of me, but I hadn't expected trouble this close to Gallifrey. We had touched down on the planet Reeve the previous evening, too late to sort out the refueling and supplies we so desperately needed. So now, just after daybreak, my assistant Dr. Foster and I ventured out from the spaceport into the maze of Reeve's refineries. Reeve is a service world. I am told that it was once a paradise of purple forest. But then its natural fuel reserves were discovered. Now Reeve is a tangle of storage tanks, rusting pipes and refinery buildings, with stacks topped with plumes of gas flames. All very industrial, functional and a little run down. Much like my own ship, the Traken. Dr. Foster pointed down a narrow alley crowded with fuel drums to a likely service depot. He had taken a stroll last night to scout around the area. We had a little money, but mostly we relied on the goodwill we'd encountered on so many worlds. The Traken is a mobile medical station. Apart from Dr. Foster and myself, it is manned by robot nurses, the sisters. We offer our services wherever we go. The payment is usually in-kind, but freely given. Fuel, food, medical supplies, and occasional transfer of galactic credit. So, I know that there is still good in the galaxy, despite how it feels with the time war pressing in on us. We passed one wall of a warehouse which had been plastered in garish graffiti. It was the outline of a man, tall and commanding, in what I recognised to be a Time Lord ceremonial headdress. On his chest had been daubed two heart symbols, and each was slashed through with a blood-red cross. Dr. Foster pointed it out to me. There's no love lost on the Time Lords here, Controller Nyssa, he said. We walked on down the narrow alley to the fuel depot. That's when it exploded. Big finish. We love stories. Well, there you have it. Yeah, quick plug for something coming up out in September this year. Um, but, you know, OK, let's have a double whammy. Let's go for another thing from Rand, see if we can get something from the past. If this is from the future, I'm just giving up. <laughs> <laughs> this is from way back in the past, actually. This is um, uh, Just War. Oh, Just War, which is the first time we worked with uh, Maggie Stables, who later went on to play uh, Evelyn Smythe. Uh, Just War, yes, Bernice Summerfield, it was the fifth release, I think, is that right? It was part of the Time Ring trilogy. Yes, it is, 1.5. And it had, uh, well, obviously, Lisa Bauman as Bernice Summerfield. I remember uh, there was a troubled recording of this one. Um, I went to the studio, Gary Russell was directing. Oh no, it says I directed it. (laughs) Do you know, I thought I could have sworn Gary directed it, but now you're, goodness me, really? Anyway, um, there was a there was some kind of fault on the recording, yeah, and and we had to redo some of it, I think. But yes, um, uh, Maggie Stables in it, and Mark Gatiss, Michael Wade, lovely Michael Wade, um, Anthony Keach, brilliant, 
loads of brilliant people in it. And Stephen Fuel, who I don't know whether I told you, you know that fated, um, ill-fated audition I went to the other week? Oh, yes. Yes, which I'm sure I haven't got because I would have heard by now. They don't tell you. They just let you just sort of, you know, the whole thing just has to melt away in your Unfair, unfair. And when I was just about to go in, there was a chap outside and it was Steve Fuel. Stephen Fuel. Mm. Yeah, there he was. And this is the hilarious, in inverted commas, thing I have to tell you about that audition. Because I obviously didn't... (laughs) Can you see the shirt I'm wearing at the moment? Yes, I can. A very nice number How would you describe it? It's flowery. Are they flowers? Flowery, white and blue shirt. It's lovely, yeah. Yeah, Katie Manning said to me, I recognise that shirt. I saw lots of sound men wearing shirts like that, hidden in bushes in the 1970s. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So anyway, I was wearing that and my very light linen jacket... It was very summery that day. Everyone else who went for the audition was wearing a grey suit and tie. I'd clearly not, not Why? read the memo. Oh, was the, did it? Yeah, was they liked there? me to turn up looking like the part. And there was a point where I was doing the audition and then the <laughs> casting director said, just a moment, and she just tilted the camera up and down to show my clothes. And I just imagined them all sitting around laughing, <laughs> laughing their heads. I was like, yeah, he turned up in the wrong clothes. Not a chance. They probably didn't even listen to my audition. They just, yeah. Anyway, so there was Steve <laughs> Fuel dressed in a grey suit and everything. I thought, oh, he looks a bit formal. I'm such an amateur. Anyway, it was lovely to see Steve. And let's hope he gets uh, a peers. Because he played Jason Kane, who is uh, Bernie Summerfield's bloke. The father of her child, wasn't he? I, I believe know. so. Maybe that was someone else. Anyway, uh, Just War. Uh, there's no trailer on the site due to the inefficiency of those doing the Bernie Summerfield range. So we can't tell you anything about it. If I can find a clip, I'll put one in now. Hey, Emil. You in a meal once? Any relation? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I suppose you wouldn't be. He comes from the 26th century. And you? Do you come from the 26th century too? No. Oh, well, yes. That is, I've, I've been living there. But I come from the 20th century. Ah, yes. From now? No, from the 1990s. Of course. You don't believe me, do you? Well, I bloody do. Morning, Mark. Morning, Celia. Did you know it's the 1st of March today? Yes, why? That means I've been here three months. Really? That long? Mm, seems longer. Well, they say time goes fast when you're having fun. And war is hardly fun. This just isn't the 20th century that I know. Sometimes I feel like it's a parallel universe. I wish it was. I wish I could believe that there is another Guernsey. One where the Nazis didn't invade. But there isn't. Look at your history books when, if you get back to the future, you'll find this is the real 1941 Celia. But then again, things are not always as they seem. Like I'm not a real blonde. But my little Celia, the real Celia, was. Oh, Ma. You know, war took my mother from me. I suppose it's fitting that it should give me another. I can never thank you enough for taking me in, Ma. It's nice to have a daughter again. At least for a while. And you're a great help, looking after the borders. 
Talking of which, there's a pile of potatoes there that need peeling before you go off to work. Oh, come on, Ma. If I'm late for work, the hotel manager will shoot me. That's not really a joke anymore, is it? So there we are. Just War. Highly recommended. Um, set in uh, wartime uh, in the, uh, the Second World War in the Channel Islands, which was occupied by the Nazis. It was actually a bit of British soil that the Nazis conquered. I don't know whether you all knew about that. But you're flipping do now. You do now, yeah. There's a, I think there's a great drama uh, set, set on the Channel Islands about all of that, actually. There's, there's, there have been many. I think it had Bernard Horsfall on it. Very possibly. Who knows? Who knows? There have been several drama series set. Now, it's such an incredibly interesting time. I visited the Channel Islands for a holiday to Jersey last year. Are there any any things left of the... Uh, the oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's a terrible part of their history, really, uh, because, of course, you know, a lot of the people uh, ended up kind of being um, collaborators with the Nazis. Collaborateurs. Yeah, there's a lot of bad feelings still, and and there's a fantastic museum. There's a sort of, uh, um, I can't remember what it's called. I feel awful not remembering. Um, The sort of underground tunnels that the Germans built, a sort of underground complex. And uh, it's a f- it's one of the best museums I've ever been in. Uh, yeah, a very dark and fascinating period of history for the Channel Islands. Great emotional resonance. Anyway, Just War um, uh, has something of that in it, so I do highly recommend it. So there we have it. Cheers, Ran. Uh, as always, a pleasure, never a chore, and a double whammy there. So uh, very thoughtful of you, Ran. To uh, <laughs> very thoughtful old boy. Well done. Well done. And so, as the podcast melts away like an iceberg beneath an unfeasonably gigantic hairdryer, there's just time for Nick to give us a quick run-through of the latest Big Finish releases out there to tingle your ear things. Yes, indeed, Benji, more than plenty this week. Three things for free in the Big Finish for free section of the BigFinish.com site. There's an excerpt from Blake Seven, The Spores of War. The episode is called Liberation. It's free! The whole box set is also available to purchase. The High Price of Parking, the whole of episode one, starring Sylvester McCoy as the seventh doctor with Sophie Aldred as Ace and Bonnie Langford as Mel, is free! The full story is also available to purchase. And Hamlet Act 3, starring Alexander Vlahos, not staring this time, uh, Miles Richardson, Tracy Childs and Terry Malloy. It's free to download now. And don't forget, also available to purchase, Torchwood, The Office of Never Was. Yes, it's got Yanto Jones in it. Don't miss it. H.G. Wells, the father of modern science fiction, gives us The Island of Dr. Moreau, a cracking adaptation starring Ronald Pickup and John Heffernan. We gave you a free first 15 minutes of it a couple of podcasts back. Zip back and have a listen. Go on. And then maybe, maybe, just buy it uh, love lives on <laughs> from our award-winning dark shadows series featuring matthew waterhouse who keeps telling me i must listen to more dark shadows all right matthew a uh, romance intrigue horror dare you miss it yes that's matthew waterhouse romance intrigue and horror uh, the mavellan grave it's dr flipping who and his fourth incarnation tom baker and lala ward are battling an old foe with interesting hair and they're not using the interesting hair to battle the old foe it's the old foe those who have the interesting hair, just explaining my bad grammar there. Sheridan Smith is back as Lucy Bleeding Miller in our Doctor Who Short Trips 8th Doctor release Flashpoint by Andrew Smith. 
Terror Hawks Volume 3, it's the end. The terrifying, shattering, emotionally draining end. You can't miss it, you can't, you mustn't. Catch up with all three volumes before you start feeling left out. Classic Monsters, New Doctors, Volume 2, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Paul McGann star battling Vashta Narada, Carrionites, and the Ragnos. Crikey! And finally, lest we forget, from the pen of Omega Factor creator Jack Gerson, the assassination run and the treachery game, both read superbly by Dan Starkey, who gave you a preview last podcast. Go back and have a listen. Espionage, intrigue, and roller coaster ride thrills, classic stuff. I'm done. Rock and roll, though. That was a real double decker whammy uh, of. <laughs> stuff there you've you've actually had to cram it in you've had to squeeze all the words it reminds me it is to double deckers as is the night bus from the harry potter films which i saw this week when we all went to visit the harry potter experience it's good isn't it it is good page for pictures of my son enjoying himself (laughs) (laughs) it's good though isn't it i like the old harry potter experience i think it's very good if you like harry potter if if you like Harry Potter, it's it's yeah it's the it's the absolute be all and end all. That was my slight problem. <laughs> yeah, you... I don't dislike Harry Potter, but it, you know, but I thought it was the most beautifully done thing. That it's very well crafted. Oh, very well so crafted. A big pat on the back for them and the massive amounts of money they'll be earning from it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But <laughs> if if you want my advice, they need to clean the front of that steam engine because it's dirty. I saw a picture. Um, and it had loads of white stuff on there, and they need to clean it. You know, that's an old engine. That's ancient bit of bit of craft there. Getting all yeah. Get your sponges out. Anoraki there, aren't you? Don't, well, got, there's a nice photograph of Ben standing in front of that, but I think he's standing in front of the dirty bit. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, he knows. You see, the boy's got respect. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, uh, there we go. So Harry Potter experience. Check that out. Um, not promoting it they're earning enough money <laughs> yeah don't bother going <laughs> yeah don't, yeah, don't g- give it a miss it's too far right it's in Watford the place is crawling with Daleks <laughs> oh I love it so much amazing yes as I said we should proceed to Bedfordshire Bedfordshire <laughs> yes that's where I'm going to go and kick over a what's it <laughs> a can of food a real nasty piece. If anyone of gets what you're talking about, they're a genius, Benji. And so they, and well, if they get what I'm talking about, they're welcome around for tea and cakes anytime. <laughs> uh, and that, so there you have it. Uh, any Luckily moment for now, them, they don't know where you live. Yes, lucky for them. And, and even if they do, I'm moving soon, so <laughs> they'll have <laughs> a wasted journey. No, no. Yeah. So there you have it then. Any moment now, we'll be teasing you with the first 15 minutes of The Conquest of Far, a Dalek adventure from the third volume of The Third Doctor Adventures. Third. Um, so what are you up to over the weekend then, Nick? Do well, tell. I, I, well, I will. Um, I'm, I'm just off. Uh, the moment I press stop on this, I'll be going off to the studio to visit a Peter Davison recording because I haven't seen the team for a while and also uh, have a meeting with uh, Barnaby Edwards, who's directing. Um, and then tomorrow night, it's um, uh, Tom Spilsbury's big leaving do. Are you still going? I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm still up in arms. I don't know because it's all about it's all about getting back and sorting that out. So we'll have, we'll have to uh, see. So if, if I can, I will. And if I can't, and I hope everybody yeah. has a smashing time. Yeah. But yeah, I don't want to be the guy that that pops in and then has to go at like half past nine. Like it's just you know be a bit of a be a bit of a strange one. But I'd like to go, so maybe I will. Who knows? Oh, I well, hopefully see you there. Hopefully, fun, but if not, um, thanks so much to Tom for a inviting me, and, and also thanks for the uh, ten years of service. 
as the editor of Doctor Who magazine, in case you didn't know, folks. Yeah. Absolutely. A phenomenal man, and he's done such a fantastic... Well, all, the whole team have done a fantastic job uh, on the magazine there. And you, Benji, have you recovered from your long journey that you were tweeting and Do you know what? It wasn't about? that bad. It wasn't that bad. The cat Did was... you just build it up too much? I, well, I, I expected it to be bad, but the traffic was fine. The cat was, was really loud for an hour and then sort of chilled down and was fine and um, and and I'd, I'd, I had some big finish with me so I said hey you know let's slap on a bit of uh, Jago and Lightfoot oh, and so uh, my, my friend Tom who, who was doing the driving um, he uh, he never heard any Jago and Lightfoot before and uh, he really enjoyed it next day got a little text said oh he said yeah he said I uh I listened to a bit more of that box set. Actually, I found I found some of it on Spotify. So I've had a, a little bit of a listen. He said I uh, I listened to a whole one and then halfway through the second one. He said so. He said cheers for getting me onto that. So there we Brilliant. go. You see the power, the power of Jagon Lightfoot and the you power. You are an of ambassador. That's what you are. An ambassador uh, of death. Yeah, so there we go. Touch him. (laughs) Well, we better let you rock and roll, Nick, because you've probably got a a train to catch. Uh Uh, So that's it. Time to say goodbye. Goodbye. And now on BBC One, the Daleks are back in the conquest of far. But first, here's a bit of Planet of the Daleks. Joe, look, that's Scarlo. Yes. Any regrets? No, not really. But Joe, that's only one little world. There's so many hundreds of others to see. (laughs) There's only one little world I want to see right now, Doctor. Joe, that's Earth. That's right, Doctor. Home. Home it is, Miss Grant. Ah, uh, now that's odd. Oh, don't tell me. The TARDIS isn't working properly again, is it? It isn't that she's not working properly, Joe. It's just that... Just uh, that what, Doctor? Uh, uh, hang on. I'm going to try something. You really did mean hang on, didn't you? This is Commodore Kennet aboard Earth Alliance flagship Elysius, 
with Admiral Naltrox reporting readiness to receive presidential hyperlink communique from Earth. He's late. He's always late. Too many advisors to listen to. <laughs> you may well be right, old friend. Let's just hope he has the right advisors this time. I doubt it. Commodore Kennard, Admiral Naltrox, is all well with the fleet? Supply problems are uh, challenging, but uh, all is well. Good. Uh, forgive my tardiness. There's nothing to forgive, sir. Oh, I know you soldiers. Always impatient for action. Impatient for victory, sir. And prudent action. Ah, uh, no, Trox. You must know how much we value the support of your people. The Thruscan people in our struggle against a common enemy. Of course, Mr. President. And so, it is with that in mind that the Council and I have decided that Operation Farm must go ahead as soon as planetary alignment allows. Uh, of course, Mr. President. We shall issue orders immediately. Very well. Remember, the fate of the civilized peoples of the galaxy rests upon your efforts. We understand, Mr. President. And if I may invoke an ancient sentiment, Godspeed. Well then, there it is. A glorious gamble to snatch victory. Or a disastrous military folly. Only history will tell. We've materialized in space. Is the TARDIS always going to go wrong like this? No, of course not. Not once I've given her a thorough overhaul. Now then, all I need to do is just check our position in time and space, then I'll be able to navigate our way back to Earth in the 20th century. This is all sounding very familiar to me. Look, there, up on the scanner. Well, I can see it's a planet, but it isn't Earth, is it? <laughs> no, not Earth, Joe. But I do know that planet, as it happens. That's Far. Far? Far. Funny name for a planet. The pioneers of Earth's empire called it that because it was far away from everywhere else. Makes sense, I suppose. And you know this planet? That's right, yes. Bit of a coincidence then, isn't it? Us ending up here? Yes, yes, I suppose it is. You don't think it could be the Time Lords again, do you? Sending us on another mission? I don't think so, no. No sign of that, at least. Hmm. Are you sure? You know, when I was last here, Joe, I was able to give the Farians a helping hand. Well, you don't say... Yes. You see, they were building a hyperspatial gateway on the surface. A what? And I gave the inventor quite a few tips. I didn't take any of the credit, of course. But I must say... I wouldn't mind having a look and seeing how the gateways turned out. You mean you want to land down there? Only a slight detour. And then I'll get you straight back to Earth afterwards. What do you say? By the look on your face, Doctor, 
<laughs> I really don't think I've got much choice. Oh, go on then. Good. Right. Here we go. Right on target. Wow, so that's this hyper-gateway thing. It's huge. Yes, impressive, isn't it? Like a sort of gigantic magnifying glass, except without the glass. Big enough to accommodate the largest space liners. Mind you, it does look as though this place has seen better days. Hmm, yes. So what does the gateway actually do? Well... You know how fast those draconian and earth ships went? Oh, yes, you said something about hyperdrive, didn't you? That's right. Well, think of this gateway as a kind of super booster for hyperspace travel. It was built to bring relief to the many starving outer colonies. So it's a good thing, then? Undoubtedly, yes. And what tips did you give its inventor? Oh, well, just <laughs> a few pointers here and there. Do you think it's still working? I mean... This place looks completely deserted and run down. Yes, that's odd. I didn't think we'd gone that far into the future. We should look round and see if we can find one of the gatekeepers. Gatekeepers? You mean someone holds a sort of giant key to this great big gate? Well, in a manner of speaking, yes. It's their job to oversee all spaceships travelling through the gateway and to maintain all the systems. What are they doing now? Who are they? I don't know. But they're not locals. They just seem to be strolling around out there without a care in the world. But what the hell's the matter with them? Have they got a death wish or something? What do you want me to do? I'm not sure. It could be a trap. Just... Just keep watching. Doctor, are you sure it's safe to mess around with those controls? Hmm? I mean, we might just get sucked in and blown halfway across the galaxy or something. No, no. Not much chance of that. I know precisely how the gateway works. Like you do with the TARDIS. Mm. <laughs> yes. Seems to be in perfect working order, even if it could do with a lick of paint here and there. Right, let's take a look around. It's probably early in the morning. Everyone's in bed. But the buildings are boarded up. And look, some of those over there have been demolished. Hmm? Yes. I see what you mean. Some sort of redevelopment, probably. Oh, I, I'm getting a funny feeling about this place, and it isn't good. Really? Well, don't you feel it? It's sort of bleak and unfriendly. Look, I know it sounds crazy, but it reminds me of something my uncle once told me. Your uncle? You mean the one who pulled strings to get you the job at unit? Well, he told me he'd visited one of the death camps from World War II. I see. Terrible places. Yes. And he said, even after all those years, you could still feel it in the air. The death, the despair. You could cut the atmosphere with a knife. And that's what you feel now? Yes. Don't you? Well, now you come to mention it. There is, how should I put it, something, a feeling. Mm. But you know, Joe, we've been through such a lot recently. All that business on Spyridon was... Doctor! Daleks! 
Yes, yes, I know. We were very lucky to escape. No, Doctor. I mean over there. What? Good grief. Get back. They must have followed us from Spyridon. No, that just isn't possible. We'd better get back inside the TARDIS. We can't. They'd be bound to see us. And we're well inside their range of fire. We'll have to go this way and circle back. Come on. That's it. I've spotted a patrol. Has the patrol spotted them? Um, yes. How can they have seen us? They haven't. But these Daleks must be of superior design, fitted with highly attuned perceptors. That alleyway! Well done, Joe. It should lead back round the block to the TARDIS. Come on! Ah, ah. Ah, oh! The, the clown's giving away! Hold on to the side! Quickly! Ah. Doctor! Ah. Doctor! Doctor! Are you all right down there? Doctor! Ah. Just about. No bones broken, I think. Ah! How far down are you? I can't see. Pretty far down. There's a lot of soft soil which broke my fall. There must be something around here I can use to help you climb up. Um, let me see. Fugitives will surrender or be exterminated. No time, Joe. You've got to get out of there before they... I could jump down there to you. No, it's too dangerous. I'll be all right. I'll find a way up. You just get back to the target now. But Doctor... Surrender! Your friend's right. Ah! Who are you? I can save you if you come with me now. No, 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 no I can't. I, I won't leave the doctor. Do you want to die? Perceptors indicate fugitive located in blast crater. Range 0 0.574 and decreasing. We will proceed to crater and exterminate. Agreed. And keep quiet. But we've got to find a way to help the Your doctor. friend has no hope now. You understand? Look, do you see the red paint? What? It's electro-reflective. This place is shielded. Their perceptors can't read through this properly. We're safe in here. You're going to live. Your friend won't. No, no. That's the way it is now. No, I Look, don't. Shut up, or I'll kill you. are we, by the way? I think I just fell down some sort of sewer pipe. Can you understand me? Can you understand me? Oh dear. If you don't mind my saying so, you look as though you're in a bad way. 
Ah, I see. Four of you. Well, um, isn't this child? Now, wait a minute. Let's not be hasty. No need to push. Let go of me. Where are you taking me? Really? Right. Here we are. Sit down if you like. Uh, where? Oh, thanks. Well, um, uh, my name's Joe Grant. Are you the gatekeeper? How the hell did you get here? What were you and your friend up to? Well, uh, we just came to see the gateway. Why? Well, because the doctor wanted to take a look at it. What are you? War tourists or something? War tourists? Yeah, I've heard of them, but I didn't think they actually existed. Rich idiots, morbidly fascinated by the suffering of others. That's not what we're doing here. The doctor helped build the gateway as it happens. <laughs> That's impossible. And we know only too well how serious fighting the Daleks is. We've just been fighting them ourselves. Where? Spyrodon. And there's a whole army Spyridon? of Spyrodon? Never heard of it. Well, that's not my fault, is it? Look, if you don't trust me, why did you bother saving me? Well... Well, good question. Please. All right, all right. If you just listen to me. If only you could understand what I'm saying.